I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. What do we do in those moments where we are surrounded by uh, a crushing load and we cry out to God and we cry for some relief and we fervently pray and we see no change? What, what do we do in that situation where after our prayers, things seem to get even worse? Many start to believe that either God is somehow limited and not able to answer our prayers or that God is is able to answer our prayers and is specifically choosing to bring more torture upon us, that God is somehow capricious and not trustworthy. Uh, And so I think, obviously, I think both of these approaches are wrong, but it's very easy in the midst of that suffering to get to a place where, because you want the suffering to end and you, you don't see God ending it, where you can lose trust, either that God is almighty or that God is all good. And this dilemma, this seeming dilemma, has sprouted entire theologies. Some people have taken the tack, well, you know, God is all-powerful, but somehow it's my fault, right? I am the one who uh, lacks faith, and therefore God's unable to act. Uh, If I only prayed the right prayer, if I only had enough faith and did the right thing, then God would sweep in and make the changes that, uh, that are needed. Other people have gone to, to another extreme and said, you know what, I was taught my whole life that God is good, and yet the experience that I am living with right now uh, seems to negate that thing that I was told. And so if, if God really is not all-powerful, if God really can't prevent this thing from happening to me, then why am I even serving him in the first place? And these are two extremes of the same thing. One attempts to blame myself for what I see as a a lack on God's part. And the other blames just the very concept of God, that if there is a God, which this person would lean away from, um, then he must not be very good. And so I don't, either he's not real and so I don't follow him, or he's not very good and I don't follow him. Uh, And so we have these two extremes where we're looking for someone to blame for the suffering And I think that anyone who has endured true suffering is going to get to a place where both of these thoughts will flash across your mind. Why is this happening? How can I endure this? And how can God be good and loving if he allows me to go through this? And I think at least where I would fall, and I think the church falls here as well, is to say we're looking at the wrong goal. We're looking at the, the temporary affliction. We're, we're, right now, of course, it fills up the entire, uh, our entire view because it's so close to us and it's so large that, uh, that it kind of dwarfs us and, and fills up our vision. But if we were to step back from it and take a longer view, there is another goal that God is aiming for, and that goal is not our, our comfort that goal is not our, our ease or even our pleasure. That goal ultimately is our holiness, our sanctity. 
that we would be uh, formed completely into the likeness of Jesus Christ. St. Paul gives us a a little bit deeper glimpse at that uh, in the second book of Corinthians in chapter 4. He says, Therefore we are not discouraged. Rather, although our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to what is seen, but to what is unseen. For what is seen is transitory, but what is unseen is eternal. God is the creator of all things, visible and invisible. And those things that so fill up our attention, those things that are visible, those things that we currently experience in this moment, uh, those things are passing away. The time is going to come where everything that is in our house is going to be gone, right? Either it's going to break or it's going to uh, decompose or something is going to happen to it that it's going to return to the earth. It's going to be gone. And whether that happens through natural disaster, whether that happens through flood or earthquake or fire, whether that happens through uh, through poverty, whether that happens through your children going up and breaking it, or as children, or as adults saying, you know what, I don't really have mom and dad's style. I'm going to, uh, now that it's passed on to me, I'm going to get rid of it, right? One way or another, everything that we hold on to so dearly that is that is visible, it's going to go away. That which is invisible is that which lasts forever. It's that that really matters. So I remember um, having a time very recently where I was in the midst of this long, extended, protracted, painful, difficult time. And and I sat there and I, I always trusted that God was going to see me through. I trusted that everything was going to be all right. And then... God called to mind specifically St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, but, uh, but all the saints could really fit in here. Uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, her husband, failed in business, and then he died and left her a widow. And, and then, you know, thing after thing continued to happen. And I, I heard God say to me, um, I don't love you any more than I loved St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, right? I loved St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, she is my saint and still, and still she went through this. So for us, we start with the creed. We say, God is good. God is the father, the almighty, but maybe my understanding of what that means needs to be clarified. Maybe I need to trust a little bit more in a different way, trust in, in God's outcomes in his time and not come with my preconception and my constraints on what that trust looks like. Well, a lot of people are going through a very difficult time right now, specifically in my listening audience in Oklahoma, as there are floods and tornadoes and everything else going on there. We're going to be talking today with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lufkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. We're going to talk about how they're responding to this crisis and how you can either assist or receive assistance. Right after this, you're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L., Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
You know, last week, uh, as we had our show, and uh, I tried to keep abreast of current events and what's going on, and sometimes we address those. And last week, there was a, a lot of rain going on in Oklahoma, and I didn't think much about it, and it just kept going. The rain has finally subsided a bit, but when we recorded this interview on Wednesday, they were still right in the thick of it. Let's listen together to that conversation. We're talking today with Deacon Kevin Sartorius, who's the CEO of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma, joining us from Tulsa, and Mary Lynn Lufkin, who's the Director of Eastern Oklahoma Outreach and Disaster Relief at Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma, joining us from Salisaw. Thank you both for being with us today. Oh, thank you. So we are in the midst of, uh, of floods of nearly biblical proportions right now. Uh, <laughs> That are that are happening in in eastern Oklahoma, um, I, I just a couple of stats, and these are a few days old even. But from since from April twentieth to May twenty eighth, there were fifty four tornadoes in Oklahoma, uh, and six over sixteen inches of rain in Tulsa in the last thirty days. And y'all are right there in the thick of it with Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma, working with people who have been displaced uh, and have lost everything. Talk to me a little bit about. Um, what those efforts look like from Catholic Charities? Uh, well, I would say that we have had, uh, it is rain of uh, epic proportions. Uh, if you were to go north just a little bit into uh, Bartlesville, which is the community just 75 miles north of us, they've had 30 inches of rain in 30 days. Hmm. And so what happens is in the, the water basin of the Arkansas River, all of that rainwater collects in uh, the Keystone uh, Lake area, uh, which is just right next door to Tulsa. It's the lake that's just to our, our west, and uh, it pools there. And the Army Corps of Engineers has to then release it or it'll flow over the top. And that's where we've run into trouble is that they're releasing water at a rate of about right now uh, 275,000 cubic feet per second. Wow. Now, to put that in perspective, Niagara Falls has water go over the crest of that at about 100,000 cubic feet per second, which means that Keystone is releasing water at nearly three times the rate of Niagara Falls. That's just a huge amount of water. Uh, if you then uh, move over, there's another lake to our east. Keystone is to our west. On the east side is Ulagoff. And Lake Ulaga, and it has its own uh, river, the Vertigus River. Uh, they're letting out about 100,000 cubic feet per second out of those dams. And uh, it's called the Pensacola Dam. Uh, so you've got uh, just phenomenal amounts of water coming out. Now, here's where it really gets serious, is that those two come together, uh, the Arkansas and the Vertigus, at a town called Muskogee, about 50,000 people, about an hour south of Tulsa. And uh, that means that at uh, Muskogee, you've got 375,000 cubic feet per second going through that river basin. And it's, it's overwhelming. Uh, Muskogee and Weber's Falls and Moffat, as you trace your finger down the Arkansas River through eastern Oklahoma. So not only do we have a flood situation in Tulsa and all of its suburban uh, communities, but it goes really through... Uh, 13 counties of eastern Oklahoma and uh, makes it a, a very, very serious situation for a lot of uh, people that we serve. You know, I don't think that Hollywood could create a better story, a better perfect storm. Uh, as I watch the news in Tulsa, of course, we, we moved away to the place where it's supposed to rain, right? We live in Seattle and it's perfectly dry here. 
and there in Oklahoma, where where we left, where we never had this kind of of rain. It, there's every day is a new storm. Every day is a new tornado. You have uh, just all of these dams that are on just really in danger. The the one that really got me the other day was when the two barges got loose from uh, one of the ports and were headed straight for the one of the dams, and they thought this could be could cause a breach, would would which would make just. Uh, massive problems, and of course, the ongoing threat to the levee systems, which are aging, and and there's no water going over the top of them, but there's water going underneath them, uh, and there's so much still chance for uh, for disaster to strike in this place. Uh, the flood waters, uh, when it comes to flooding, it's a slow disaster that takes a long time to wind up and to wind down, and so right now. The levees that are about 70 years old along the Arkansas River in Tulsa are holding up, but uh, they're they're bubbling underneath. Water's going underneath the levee and coming up in people's warehouses in the industrial area and through manhole covers in neighborhoods and things like that. That is um, really uh, putting a little bit of the fear of God, and I suppose it's healthy to have a fear of God, but uh, to just kind of say we need to really take stock in in what's important to evacuate these houses to prepare for something really major that could happen, but also have hope and pray that it won't happen. And so we're in that almost, but not yet phase of the disaster. It's almost ending, but it's not yet there. And uh, we just have to live with that. I think uh, that tension in um, our community for about another week, before it hopefully will really start to subside. We're talking today with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lufkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. You can help with their relief efforts by going to cceok.org, cceok.org, and donate your time, your services, or your finances to help them provide relief to the victims of the floods and the tornadoes in Eastern Oklahoma. Mary Lynn, you are the the director of uh, disaster relief there at Catholic Charities in Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, how does a flood or or this um, event that you're going through right now compare in terms of scale and in terms of devastation of the the people who are going through it to uh, to say a tornado or some other disaster that we would expect in Eastern Oklahoma? Well, my experience with um, disaster started like I was talking to you earlier and more. And that was a devastating tornado, but this is a different type of a disaster where um, we have to wait to be able to assess the damage, where they could assess the damage as soon as the tornado left. They started the recovery efforts, but we're still sitting in waiting mode, waiting for them to even assess the damage so that we can um, start to go in and, and help people make their plan of recovery so it's, it's a very different, like Deacon Kevin was saying, a very slow-moving disaster, and we're watching it unfold and waiting for the chance to be able to begin our efforts to help people in their recovery. Well, and even as it's unfolding, there's a certain amount of uh, not only the uncertainty, but the, the stress, and people are still currently displaced uh, as they've been evacuated, many of them from their homes. And even though the, at the end of it, it may be that their home is saved, there's still this immense amount of need for accompaniment right now in, in the present. Yes, there um, there's 10 shelters set up throughout eastern Oklahoma, set up by the Red Cross. And 
and uh, we're in communication with them as they open new shelters or if we see a need, we let them know. Um, a lot of people have, have partnered up and found places to go with family and friends, which is really good. But um, there's, there's a lot of anxiety, and I think the longer they are displaced from their home, the more this anxiety is going to build and this um, uncomfortable feeling of what's going to happen, where am I going to go, how am I going to recover. So we're preparing ourselves as best as we can to be ready and get ahead of the wave of people who are going to be coming to us for um, help to be able to make a plan of recovery. And, and uh, we're trying to get all of our ducks in a row for when that happens. And you've talked quite a bit about the, the physical and material ways that you all support. But there's more to a disaster than just those physical and material needs. We had just a really tiny flood in our home uh, when our one of our children was oh, 14 months. And to this day, uh, she still, at like six years old, talks about that flood with a little bit of trepidation. There's a, a lasting impact of uh, of trauma, all the more so for those who have gone through a devastating flood uh, of natural means, right? The, not 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 just a sink overflowing, but a truly mm-hmm. catastrophic flood like y'all are experiencing right now. There are really uh, very um, defined phases psychologically that a disaster victim will go through. And right now, there's a lot of anxiety about their current situation. Is my house going to be flooded? Will I have a place to sleep tonight? Where will I get my next meal? Uh, they're going to then go into kind of a high where they say, my gosh, this community really comes together and offers us a shelter and a hot meal. And uh, people are giving us a pat on the back and, and helping us you know, clear out our house. So that's a great lift for them. But then uh, a month from now or two months from now, uh, that'll all crash for them because the cameras pack up. Uh, the conversation moves on to something about national politics, let's, let's say, and uh, they feel alone, and yet they aren't back to normal yet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they really then have a very hard time in the midterm. Uh, and that's where Catholic Charities really uh, turns up uh, our ability to help is that we get involved in what's called long-term care, long-term uh, case management, and we help them with the recovery from about two months out to 18 months out. And uh, it really builds long-lasting relationships, uh, provides a lot of hope, and gives people a, a, a wonderful future uh, that they weren't, um, they weren't counting on uh, in the midst of the, the flood. Now, unlike many of the other Catholic charities around the country, Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma uh, receives less than one-sixth of one percent of your budget from uh, federal grants or federal funding. Uh, And part of that is so that you can be even more uniquely Catholic in the way that you give out your funds and the way that you uh, support the community and and staying uh, in that Catholic identity within your mission. Uh, but that also means that you need the support of the community around you to be able to then go out and give these the, the, the hand of the church, the, the compassionate accompaniment to those people in the community, whether they're Catholic or not. So how would someone who's listening today uh, connect with Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma and assist you in providing those resources to the, the community there? Well, I would say there's there's three ways, really. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, their time, talent, and treasure are the things we would key on. Um, many people uh, can volunteer and have 
specialized skill that can be put to use in this disaster. And then they can be Christ's merciful love to those who suffer. That's the mission of Catholic Charities and, and really the, the mission, if you will, of every baptized Catholic to go out and, and be Christ to their neighbor. Uh, we also can do that, I think, uh, through very specific in-kind donations, uh, not general things like I have uh, a couch I don't need and I would share it. But um, we have probably some very targeted, specific in-kind donations that we could look at. And then the third and probably uh, one of the most versatile things is to help somebody with a donation, which then is passed through to help buy the the shingles or to uh, give them the case management that they need uh, to get up and on their feet. And, and Mary Lynn can really probably talk uh, very specifically about how that case management process works to put the donations that people give uh, into action. Uh, but if you go to cceok.org, uh, right there on the homepage, it gives people the opportunity to sign up as a volunteer uh, to, or to donate, uh, whether it be uh, with a financial gift or an in-kind gift. Go over to cceok.org today and make your donation. We had the opportunity to sit down this last Wednesday with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lufkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. They need your help right now. Uh, of course, most definitely at this moment, but they're going to continue this work on for months to come. So go over to cceok.org and give what you can. Good and gracious God, all the elements of nature, obey your command, calm the waters that threaten us, turn our fear of your power into praise of your goodness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. And this past Wednesday, we had the opportunity to sit down with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lofkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. Let's join that conversation now. Right now, Oklahoma is still in the crosshairs as they have borne the brunt of horrific weather, of, of storms, of rain, of tornadoes. Uh, and the way that this works right now, it's on the front page of the news and we're all paying attention to it. But in about a month, maybe really even in, a, in about a week, all of a sudden there's going to be something else on the news, something that's going to take our attention. And uh, and this is going to be out of sight, out of mind. And now, while this is fresh on our minds, now is the time to act. Now is the time to go over to cceok.org. That's Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. cceok.org and donate. Uh, donate your time. Donate as a volunteer. If you're out of state, donate money because they're on the ground. Uh, not only are they on the ground right now as immediate responders and first responders, but they are going to be on the ground long term, continuing to offer the corporal and the spiritual acts of mercy. Now, Mary Lynn, one of the, the jobs that you have in addition to being the director of disaster relief is you are the director of Eastern Oklahoma Outreach. And that means that you are working with the satellite campuses of Catholic Charities to serve the rural communities. Can you speak a little bit to how the rural community might experience this kind of disaster in a way different than the urban community? We have helping centers in Bartlesville, Broken Arrow, Muskogee, Salisaw, Poto. So, 
as this flooding is happening, we already have these outreach centers in these locations, which is really helpful in being able to minister to the people who are affected because we already are ministering to them all year long. But now we're able to be there in those places to help them locally where it's happening. We are partnering with um, the VOAD, Volunteer Organizations Active in Disaster. Just today, a lot of cleaning supplies and different other paper products are coming into the state. And so as that's coming in, I'm trying to direct it to make sure that the southern counties that are affected are able to um, obtain some of those so that it could help the people. For example, in Muskogee, we had six pallets of product delivered there today, and she could get that directly to the people that are affected in Muskogee. So that's a real benefit of having these um, outreach centers already set up in these areas that are affected. We have uh, another office here in and Salisaw just had a warehouse built, so we'll be able to receive some products here. And um, we're partnering with different agencies around this area to let people know where the resources are at, where they could come for it. So it's very different when you're away from the big cities because you really have to depend on each other. Um, all of the uh, pastoral alliances around here, we partner with them. Um, it, I needed a building to find a warehouse space for a shipment that was coming in, and I, I called the mayor's wife, and the mayor's wife made two phone calls and was able to find a building space for us. So it's, it's really neat to have connections in the local rural areas. Weber's Falls is one that's gotten completely underwater. They had to evacuate the whole town. Moffat is another one over by Roland, um, and they had to evacuate that town. Um, one of the things I wanted to tell you a little story about Weber's Falls. Um, our pastor serves four churches in Roland, Salisaw, Cookson, and Weber's Falls. And when we got word of all of this coming down and that Weber's Falls was in jeopardy, I contacted him and, and we got set up with a, a lead volunteer in that parish. And they were able to obtain sandbags and they sandbagged the doors and, and took the Blessed Sacrament out and as they were doing that, there was a man walking down the street, and he said to Father Lawrence, um, do you work for God? And Father Lawrence walked over to him and, and wanted to was curious to, as to what he was getting at. And after they talked for a moment, the guy said, why would God allow this to happen? And after visiting with the man for a little while, Father Lawrence said to him, we should be grateful that our God is so loving that he's allowing us to be able to evacuate before loss of life. Really, we're having time to prepare to be able to get out. And and the guy really took it to heart, and he just nodded his head, and then he quietly walked away. So it was a moment there that he was able to um, bring the grace of God into a, a bad situation and open his eyes to a, a new perspective. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because as we're talking about this disaster relief, the Catholic Church and Catholic Charities in specific is not merely a non-governmental organization. Uh, it's part of the reason that you don't take uh, any a, a large amount of federal funding is because first and foremost, we are an Easter people. We, are, we, we do the disaster relief and we do these other things uh, because as, as the altar at, at the front of Catholic Charities Chapel says, the love of Christ compels us. We're doing this not because of uh, of mm -hmm. any larger uh, social uh, program. We're doing it because we are followers of Jesus Christ who has given us his mercy and given us a mission of mercy 
to the world that's around us. So Deacon Sartorius, can you talk a little bit about what that mission looks like and how that involves all of the baptized and not merely those people who are on staff at Catholic Charities? We experience every day in all of our programs at Catholic Charities that people are made by God in His image and likeness, and uh, they're made with a body and a soul. And so they have material needs, and we are called on to recognize those and to help alleviate suffering. Uh, to give someone food, as it says in Matthew 25, when they're hungry or drink when they're thirsty. But uh, they're often thirsty in, in very uh, spiritual ways as well. And so uh, that body and soul means we need to really be attentive to their spiritual needs, their hunger for God, and their thirst uh, for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so when we go into a location, we're very proud to be Catholic, and people are very welcoming of us. Uh, I know uh, through the Pastoral Alliance, Mary Lynn was talking about, that uh, Protestant uh, pastors will look to us for leadership, not just in material things, but in spiritual ways as well. Uh, when I was in uh, Moore for the tornadoes uh, at the Mark Center, and these are places people come to get help, uh, just by uh, virtue of me walking in with a collar on as uh, an ordained minister, I was mobbed by people who were in need of uh, talking uh, through their situation in a spiritual context. They could have gone to the Red Cross, they could have gone to FEMA, they could have gone to the state uh, insurance commissioner to talk about their issues, but they wouldn't be satisfied. They had to talk to me because through me they were reaching in to find uh, God's solace in his care for them. Uh, and it got to the point where uh, the other people that were there with me had to come and, if you will, rescue me, pull me out of that group and and uh, take me away because we had to move on. But there was essentially, I mean, there was like a line of people waiting to talk to the, the Catholic minister. And uh, as I was leaving, there were other wonderful Protestant ministers who just came up and said, thank you. There's nothing like a Catholic minister uh, for these people. And, and I was talking almost exclusively to non-Catholics. So while they need a mop and a bucket to mop out their house, um, they also need a way to cleanse their soul of the anxiety and the hurt that they've experienced in this uh, traumatic event. And Catholic Charity stands ready and willing uh, to serve them in both ways, because they were made uh, in uh, a bodily form and uh, in, in soul. And uh, that composite that is brought together is a beautiful gift from God, and we, we would do well to recognize it and treat those parts. And Catholic Charities does treat both parts, and you can be a part of their work by going to cceok.org, cceok.org, and donate either your time or your services or your, your finances so that they can continue the good work of providing relief to those who have gone through this devastating natural disaster. Now, these disasters, they, they are a moment in time, and, and then they, they go away and we forget about them. But Catholic Charities continues on uh, all year long. What are some of the opportunities that y'all are preparing for to serve the community in the, in the near future? Once the waters recede and they are able to go in and do damage assessments on all of these homes, we will more than likely participate in a MARC, which is a multi-agency resource center, and that's where hopefully FEMA will come in. We're hoping that they will. If they are there, it's called the DRC, Disaster Relief Center. Either way, we will join with other agencies and provide services at this mark. Once they come in and they have their damage assessment, we then get their cases and assess them. 
They'll go to each of the tables and see uh, all of our community partners will come together and offer them whatever they might need. Some of them will have um, cleanup kits and buckets and hygiene supplies and and uh, emergency boxed food, maybe some gift cards. And we hope to work with the Knights of Columbus in serving these people's immediate needs. And then this then moves into, it's a long phase, but to make a long story of the phase short, um, they then move into long-term case management. So Deacon Kevin said everybody kind of packs up and goes home. Catholic Charities remains and has historically been and will probably be for this disaster the long-term case management agency for these people. What that means is that we will walk alongside them through the process, um, helping them uh, file for FEMA uh, or file for SBA assistance and 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 kind of uh, guide them through the process because a lot of people are, are bewildered. They don't know what direction to go and so we've we've had some training and we have good good staff on hand and good resources to to tap into to know how to guide them the very best way to the very end. After this, we h- hope to um, count on some um, other community partners to come to an unmet needs table. Mm-hmm. After FEMA and everything else comes through, they're still going to have things that um, have not been restored back to the way it needs to be. So then we count on our community partners on donations to try to come up with funds to help them and help carry them through this. And our mission is to be Christ's merciful love to those who suffer. To be Christ's love to them is such a privilege for us. We are conduits of his love, especially during this time when they're suffering so. And if they feel that someone cares about them, if we can care for them and Christ can use us to care for these folks, It'll change their life, whether they're still in the disaster or not. If we can just allow that love to flow to them, um, they have hope. A lot of them will be without hope, and that love restores that hope and gives them a a drive to keep going. This is an opportunity, this event, to be the worst day of a person's life. Or it's an opportunity for us to become involved in their lives and for it to be the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, They could lose their house and gain the entire kingdom of God if we as Catholics stand up and say, we we will stand with you in solidarity in this event. And so uh, we have, uh, in a lot of ways, a life or death uh, situation here, and that might be eternal life or eternal death. Uh, Yes, they've lost their house, but maybe then through that, they gain eternal life. And uh, if we treat it in that way, every Catholic becomes an expert in disaster because through their involvement, uh, they can just simply say, I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he has given me uh, incredible gifts, and I've come to share those with you. And uh, that is something that doesn't go away. The, the, the parcel of food will go away in a few days. They'll, they'll consume that. But the grace that comes will uh, abound and, and will live on. Uh, as they uh, progress out of the disaster into a new place, a better place, uh, spiritually for sure. We're talking today with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lufkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. There's more to this conversation that I'm making available to everyone this week, not just our Patreon supporters, because the work that Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma does is so vital. Go over to our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. You can find that free segment posted there. And while you're online, go over to cceok.org and donate to the disaster relief efforts of Catholic Charities. 
Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Earlier this week on Wednesday, I had the opportunity to talk with Deacon Kevin Sartorius and Mary Lynn Lufkin of Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma about their ongoing relief efforts due to the storms that have raged through Oklahoma over the last couple of weeks. You can make a difference by going over to cceok.org and donating a little bit to help with those efforts. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with someone else, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You can find this week's episode right there at the top of the page. Go share it on social media and help them, help Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma, raise the much-needed funds to continue this work and on, a, on an ongoing basis. They're, they're on the ground right now. They're doing the, the immediate work that needs to be done. But Catholic Charities continues that work uh, long-term, helping people get back on their feet after disasters. There's more to my conversation with Deacon Kevin and Mary Lynn available to everyone today. And we want to highlight their work because it is so essential and it's so fantastic. Uh, We're giving away this week's extra segment, regardless of whether you support the show on Patreon or not. If you, while you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com, will click that support the show link in the top right-hand corner of the page. It'll take you to our Patreon page, and that extra segment is right there available for everyone. We'll also put a link up on our social media, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. Let's go ahead and turn our attention now to our readings from Scripture and from church history. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12. And here we see a common feature in in Paul's letters. He very often uh, takes a moment away from the theological treatises and gets intensely pragmatic uh, and basically says, here are some rules for living. Uh, As a Christian, this is how you should behave. And so that's what we have here in this reading from, from Romans 12. And he says, brothers and sisters, Let love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Anticipate one another in showing honor. Do not grow slack in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the holy ones. Exercise hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Have the same regard for one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12. And here, like I said, it's just jam-packed with pragmatics. He's saying, you who are baptized, you who belong to Christ, you who, by virtue of your baptism, are my brother and sister, here are the basics, right? Start here. Sometimes we we look at the world and we look at holiness and we say, "I I don't even know where to start. Well, Paul is telling us right here, this is where you start. 
And in the middle of this, in the midst of all of these pragmatic things, he said a couple of things that I think are very important for us today as we know those near us who are going through tragedy, who are uh, experiencing the desolation that comes with a natural disaster. Uh, the first is this, contribute to the needs of the Holy Ones, those who uh, who have in this situation, lost everything, who have need, actual true need of sustenance and supplies, not just, hey, I, I want a, a nicer thing. Um, no, these people need so much because everything's been lost. Uh, so contribute to the needs of the Holy Ones. You can do that again over at CCEOK, that's Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma, cceok.org. Uh, he goes on to say, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Uh, so often, we, when we see someone who is hurting, when we see someone who's lost everything, we want to rush to to fix it. And, and of course, there is an absolute need to fix those material needs, but a lot of times we want to fix it not because we want them to not be hurting, but because we are uncomfortable with people suffering and we don't know how to handle it. And so we, we want to fix them so that they're happy so that we don't feel uncomfortable. And so even in our desire to fix things, sometimes it's a very selfish motive. Uh, and so if you have the opportunity to volunteer with Catholic Charities, I encourage you to do that. Volunteer in these crisis situations and just be present and weep with those who weep and sit in, in their desolation with them. I'm not trying to rush them through the grief process, but helping them process uh, and giving them at the same time the things they need to be able to do that. Our reading from church history today comes from St. Boniface. In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on her course. The ancient fathers showed us how we should carry out this duty. Clement, Cornelius, and many others in the city of Rome, Cyprian at Carthage, Athanasius at Alexandria, they all lived under emperors who were pagans. They all steered Christ's ship or rather his most dear spouse, the church. This they did by teaching and defending her, by their labors and sufferings, and even to the shedding of blood. I am terrified when I think of all this. Fear and trembling came upon me, and the darkness of my sins almost covered me. I would gladly give up the task of guiding the church, which I have accepted, if I could find such an action warranted by the example of the fathers or by Holy Scripture." Since this is the case, and since the truth can be assaulted but never defeated or falsified, with our tired mind, let us turn to the words of Solomon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own prudence. Think on Him in all your ways, and He will guide your steps. In another place he says, The name of the Lord is an impregnable tower. The just man seeks refuge in it, and he will be saved. Let us stand fast in what is right and prepare our souls for trial. Let us wait upon God's strengthening aid and say to him, O Lord, 
you have been our refuge in all generations. Let us trust in him who has placed this burden upon us. What we ourselves cannot bear, let us bear with the help of Christ. For he is all-powerful, and he tells us, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let us continue to fight on the day of the Lord. The days of anguish and of tribulation have overtaken us. If God wills, let us die for the holy laws of our fathers, so that we may deserve to obtain an eternal inheritance with them. Let us be neither dogs that do not bark, nor silent onlookers, nor paid servants who run away before the wolf. Instead, let us be careful shepherds, watching over Christ's flock. Let us preach the whole of God's plan to the powerful and to the humble, to rich and to poor, to men of every rank and age, as far as God gives us the strength in season and out of season, as St. Gregory writes in his book on pastoral instruction. That reading comes to us from St. Boniface, and of course he's writing it as a bishop and he's writing it to other shepherds, to other uh, priests and bishops. And so we might tend to think, oh, well, that's not about me. And yet, uh, even though you and I are not bishops, what what we do have in common is that we are facing trials. St. Boniface is talking about something that really was a trial that that troubled him, that made him uh, maybe a little bit uh, trepidatious. He talked about the difficulties that he's facing. And while your difficulties and my difficulties are different than his as a bishop, we bear them nonetheless. And his advice on how to handle that distress uh, is sound, whether you have a bishop's concerns or whether your concerns uh, fit your station in life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own prudence. And then further on, what we ourselves cannot bear, which we're facing, what we cannot bear, let us bear with the help of Christ, for he is all-powerful. And he tells us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is the trial that affects you? And how has that affected your reliance on the goodness of God the Father? Maybe you're in the midst of this this flood in Oklahoma. Maybe you have uh, dealt with the uncertainty. Maybe you've lost property and, and lost your possessions. How does that affect your reliance on the goodness and the strength of God the Father, the Almighty? Uh, perhaps you're dealing with the loss of a job. Perhaps you're dealing with the loss of a family member. How does that affect your reliance on God the Father, the Almighty. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own prudence, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. These trials are momentary afflictions, and while they are taking up the full bandwidth of our processing power right now, they are but blips in the long-term scheme of things. So let's place our trust in Christ. Let's place our trust in God, the Father, the Almighty, and ask for the intercession of St. Boniface. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Please take the time to go over to cceok.org and donate your time, your resources, or your finances to help with the disaster relief efforts in the eastern Oklahoma. Remember, there's an extra segment available to everyone today. Go over to outsidethewalls.com. Click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.